Welcome to the podcast, Brain Milk. I'm Dash McIntyre. And I'm Adrian Pook. And uh, we're in association with the Halfway Post. This is a brand new podcast about politics, economics, history, and uh, pretty much anything we want to talk about. But a lot of politics. Today, for our inaugural episode, we're going to talk about impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Trump is the third president to get impeached. If we're checking the scoreboard, um, Bill Clinton got impeached, and so did Andrew Johnson. Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Right. Little known fact, actually, James Buchanan, the president right before Lincoln, almost got impeached. Um, Republicans of the day were looking into the, were actually starting impeachment proceedings and investigations but it got too close to the actual uh, 1860 election, so they decided not to go through with it, although um, there was a special commission that did find, you know, like years worth of fraud, where actually James Buchanan was basically bribing members of Congress <laughs> to vote his way oh, in their little schemes to uh, basically, you know, use the legal system to force slavery being allowed in all of the states. So that's interesting because uh, another president who was almost uh, impeached was actually Ronald Reagan. So after the Iran-Contra affair, uh, there were actually some Republicans in Congress looking to maybe write up uh, some articles of impeachment. Because if you didn't know, the Iran-Contra uh, was the executive branch violating two uh, specific laws passed by Congress uh, to keep the Reagan administration from either you know taking... Uh, you know, selling weapons to Iran and then hiding that money away and using it to give to the Contras. <laughs> right. Good time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, Richard Nixon was also almost impeached, and that's, uh, you know, he at least had the good sense and perhaps a courtesy to the country to just resign, something that uh, Trump could could and, you know, could still do if he really but wanted to. But the thing to. about Nixon was that those Republicans back then had a backbone and actually true. stood up for yeah. their, their branch of the government right. and were actually <laughs> not going to... They weren't. They didn't have a Mitch McConnell back then. Yeah. Nixon needed a, a Mitch McConnell. Right. The, yeah. Nixon didn't have a Republican uh, member, yeah. leader of Congress, get up and say that there would be no daylight between, <laughs> yeah. you know, their, uh, you know, them being jury and then the uh, White House's um, defense. Uh, yeah. Maybe strategy. would have uh, tried to uh, thick it out if. Uh, <laughs> right. There were. Republicans like yeah. uh, Lindsey Graham back then. So there were a handful of Democrats that did vote against impeaching Trump, uh, most notably Tulsi Gabbard, who decided to vote present on both accounts. Yeah, kind of an interesting political move because no one else did that. So right. it's not really evident what her her kind of stand on that really what means. What her angle is. Yeah, what's her angle. Yeah. It is interesting, though, given that you know she's running for president and uh, can't make her way... It can't make her mind up to commit either way, yes or no. It's kind of an, you know, literally the only person in the entire vote to essentially not pick yes or no for whether you should impeach Trump. Yeah, that's really weird. Talking about, you know, someone running for president not having a backbone. You, you think after three years of the Trump <laughs> yeah. administration, you might have had an <laughs> right. opinion. And certainly the last year and a half with, you know, first the Mueller report and now, you know, these articles of impeachment, you might have yeah. had, you know, your mind made up either way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, apparently, Lindsey Graham just reported that he went to the White House and talked to Trump and said that Trump is very mad. <laughs> Do you think that's true? 
Oh, Do you I think mean, Trump is actually well, mad he's all about or is image. he playing this up? I think he's all about image. And it probably, how can it not be embarrassing that you're one yeah. of everyone one in the news three presidents right now? To basically, I mean, you know he hate watches like the news. Yeah. He has to be watching all these news channels talking about how he's the third president right. to, to get impeached. And I mean, I would be embarrassed. It is kind God. of a legacy scar that will uh, stay with him the rest of his life and the rest of American history. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because he's probably going to get acquitted. So this is like the one impeachment. You know, Nixon knew the writing was on the wall. And here Trump's been impeached, and, you know, the writing's not on the wall. He, there's no reason why he should give up or even leave right. or even, you know, change the way he is because he's probably going to get acquitted. Yeah. However, Democrats uh, spearheaded by Nancy Pelosi are not uh, committed to sending the articles of impeachment right away to the Senate. Do you think that's a good yeah. strategy? Well, I think it's genius. For one, it's going to stay in the news. So the Republicans right now are trying to cry foul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that Nancy Pelosi's not playing by the right, whatever the right rules are when you had Mitch McConnell. Right. But there, the there are no official constitutional rules. Yeah. Nowhere does the Constitution say that a uh, Speaker of the House of the opposing party doesn't have, to, or like, you know, nothing's telling the Speaker of the House to immediately send the articles over to the Senate. And, we'll and I think it, it's interesting to put yourself in Mitch McConnell's shoes. What would he do? Yeah. <laughs> if their situations reversed, I do think Mitch McConnell would just sit on them indefinitely if he didn't want to send the uh, Kind of like Merrick Garland. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Just wait yeah. out. And, the, you know, that is actually in the Constitution that yeah. uh, the president gets to pick Supreme Court justices and... Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell decided for over a year that nope, he alone had the power to decide. The uh, the Senate Majority Leader alone had the power to decide when the President gets to pick the Supreme Court uh, Justice to fill a vacancy. Well, it's interesting, too, because the reason given for Nancy Pelosi doing this is that she's waiting for the Senate Republicans to basically, like, grow up and and do the job they're supposed to do. Right. So it's once again... You know, Nancy Pelosi is the, the only adult in the room right. in, in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Did you see that moment where she uh, where she's uh, like gaveling it? It's like official that they have the votes or whatever. Yeah. They have they surpass the threshold and just that that hand movement of just like a mother like zip it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a woman. Or like balls. a teacher of an elementary school class, like a yeah. bunch of rowdy little children yelling right. and screaming. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> zip it. Right. Yeah. That's um, funny. So, I mean. For Trump, going into 2016, I can't imagine any president wants to be impeached. You, you know, mean 2020? Yeah, 2020. Uh, I mean, it's basically an election year in, in a couple days here. So, you know, he's going into his re-election campaign having been impeached. You know, right. people are also talking about censoring him. And, uh, you know, this not going to the Senate and him being acquitted quickly is going to just, you know, draw this out throughout the next couple of weeks at yeah. least. Yeah, it is very interesting because he wants to just be acquitted ASAP so he can quickly just start telling people that, oh, yeah. look, I'm, I was, you know, exonerated, <laughs> yeah. just like he was exonerated by the Mueller report, allegedly. But it is uh, fascinating because uh, Mitch McConnell basically got up on the, the Senate floor, you know, and he went on that Fox News interview and said that, you know, he had already made up his mind. And same with Lindsey Graham and some other Republicans. They all agreed that they had made up their mind. They weren't going to read, you know, listen to any of the sworn testimony from the people willing to testify against yeah. Trump. Who, you know, everybody who did testify agreed that what he did was wrong and or <laughs> illegal and uh, impeachable. So it's kind of fascinating, especially for Lindsey Graham to not to, to go on Fox News all the time and say, I'm not going to read the testimony. And it's extra ironic because Trump on Twitter is constantly telling people, read the testimony, read the testimony. And all of uh, the Trump supporters are saying that, read the testimony, even though, you know, 
the vast majority of Trump supporters, you know, for a fact, have not read the testimony. Yeah. But they just keep repeating that line. And or even the that, representatives who's, who are... Right. But it's ironic yeah. because, like, yeah, these senators who know that the testimony is not oh, yeah. good for Trump, yeah, they are refusing to read the testimony. And, you know... Um, it, you know, it's, it's smart of Nancy Pelosi to not send the articles over because, uh, Mitch McConnell basically said, I'm not going to have a fair trial and that there's no difference between what he's doing and what Trump's defense attorneys are doing and the white house legal staff. Well, that's why it's so perfect. She's keeping them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting too going into the and, well, well, real quick. And again, what would Mitch McConnell yeah, do? That's true. <laughs> Mitch McConnell would certainly sit on these. If uh, he, uh, if it was in his political interest to do it, well, I just love how uh, strong a politician Nancy Pelosi is too. Because she was asked, like, "Do you just hate Donald Trump?" And then she just snapped at him, like, "No, I don't hate Donald Trump. Yeah, like, I would much rather not be doing this impeachment. It's yeah. embarrassing to the country that we have to do this. Right? But, you know, here and we it's, are. And it's funny because Trump knew what he did was wrong with <laughs> yeah. this Ukraine stuff because yeah. he literally, you know, when the first the first news of the whistleblower came started coming out. He, uh, he literally wrote a letter to uh, or contacted Nancy Pelosi asking, hey, can we make a deal about this whistleblower <laughs> thing? And Nancy uh, said, no, how about you have your people stop breaking the law? So, I mean, like right That's off hilarious. the bat, Trump knew that yeah. this was kind of more serious than uh, any other scandal that you know he's had so far. And on the face of it, um, Donald Trump was literally using U.S. foreign policy to block congressionally approved money. Reminder that all money starts with Congress. And yeah. the president doesn't for actually have power. Yeah, for the, yeah <laughs> that, that pesky little document that uh, tells us yeah. you know how to run the government. Um, so Donald Trump personally decided not to hold the money unless... The president of Ukraine went on CNN, so yeah. U.S. media, <laughs> to uh, basically, and not even have a real investigation of Joe That's Biden. Right. The requirement just, was only to say you were yeah, opening an investigation. Only say, yeah. <laughs> to do kind of the same thing that they did to Hillary Clinton with the FBI, where basically they just reopened the investigation. Well, that's it, hilarious. It got closed very quickly, yeah. but it was just that idea that, well, there's an investigation open. Well, think about that. So Trump's biggest complaint now is that, you know... Uh, he's had no due process. So what was he trying to do to get Ukraine to start an investigation on Biden that was a complete sham election? Isn't that a complete lack of right. due process as well? Well, and the whole thing is they're claiming that it was to stop corruption. But the the whole thing with Joe Biden um, being sent by the Obama administration to go uh, basically tell, to basically fire that Ukrainian yeah. prosecutor. Yeah. Uh, and everybody in Europe was in agreement. Like literally the Western world was saying this one prosecutor is not prosecuting all the corrupt people in Ukraine who deserve to be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. So he has to go. So Joe Biden went there and convinced the Ukrainian government to fire him as a basically an emissary of the U.S. and backed by all of Europe. And so now Trump is saying that that prosecutor was fired and that was corrupt yeah. because that prosecutor was trying to open up the investigation into Burisma. Yeah. And um, it's just a complete like bastardization of the actual facts. And the whole thing's like a charade anyway. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing is that, uh, the you, you know, he let the uh, money go through to Ukraine only after, after the yeah. whistleblowers started <laughs> blowing their whistles. So, you know, it's like it's it's still a crime if you un, you know, if you start following the law after you get caught. That doesn't just exempt you from everything you did before you got caught breaking the law and not giving money that yeah. Congress legally voted <laughs> to send to Ukraine. 
And you can't just rob a bank and then on your way out with the money, see a cop and then go give it back to the bank and be like, whoa, I didn't do anything yeah. wrong here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Brain Milk is brought to you by the Halfway Post, America's number one source for halfway real satirical news. You can find the Halfway Post at halfwaypost.com. And if you think President Donald Trump is a whiny little bitch, then the Halfway Post is the satirical news source for you. Once again, you can find the Halfway Post at halfwaypost.com. All right, so the actual uh, articles uh, of impeachment against Trump are uh, number one, uh, abuse of power, and number two, uh, obstruction of Congress. Obstruction, yeah. Yeah, so do you think uh, <laughs> you think those were deserved? <laughs> yes. So Donald Trump has obstructed literally everything, despite his claims that he's the most transparent president ever. Um, he famously did not want anybody to testify to Mueller, if we want to go back to the, you know, Mueller, um, the Mueller investigation, to the point where Mueller basically had to stop the investigation because of what Bill Barr was doing, and then when he actually published the final uh, report, he listed 10 instances of obstruction of justice yeah. and outright <laughs> lying that he could not actually answer the def- like definitively the uh, questions the Mueller report was trying to answer because so many people, including Donald Trump, Roger Stone, you know, all these people were refusing to testify and the ones who did got caught lying. You know, Papadopoulos had to go to jail for lying. Um, Manafort and Gates and Flynn were caught in a whole bunch of lies. Um, So, yeah, uh, in terms of obstruction of justice, Trump has been doing that pretty much... Um, you know, his entire presidency. And it's interesting because despite the Mueller report going on for like two years, um, investigating his collusion with a foreign power for, you know, personal gain, um, he goes right back to it in Ukraine. Yeah. (laughs) This whole mess could have been solved if he had just learned his lesson and stopped colluding with foreign countries for personal gain. Yeah. Which really throws in the question is uh, his belief that he's going to win re-election easily. (laughs) Right. Now, see, that's an interesting question because a lot of Republicans are saying that, you know, oh, his base is so fired up and Democrats are certainly going to lose over this charade. But, I mean, like how many voters do you think Trump has net gained from his, like, years of just constant bitching? Well, even apparently a lot of farmers are against Trump right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they feel betrayed by him. A lot of manufacturers. That's a pretty big constituency. I mean, you got to think, too, of all those companies, uh, especially in swing states, that he went and publicized how he brought jobs back. It it would turn out to be, like, best-case scenario, a couple hundred jobs. Well, there's 300 million people. You know, a couple hundred jobs here or there is great for that little community, but doesn't help the manufacturing industry as a whole. And these tariffs aren't helping anybody. And now, meanwhile, he's losing uh, suburban women. That's kind of like the hot demographic of election 2020 um, because white suburban women are really uh, turning away from him. I saw a poll the other day that had white women uh, support Trump at only 43%. That's going to be hard to kind of overcome. Uh, he's bleeding support in, you know, the suburbs. Well, he's bleeding of, support in a lot of the states he beat Hillary in the, the right. surprise uh, swing yeah. states. I mean... You know, we'll see what happens in the election, but it's hard to believe that Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania are going to vote for Trump again. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think, already, like, a lot of times it's already hard for an incumbent to, to win by the same margin you might have won by before. Right. I mean, it's happened in the, in before, but not with yeah. a president like Trump. <laughs> and it's interesting the way this impeachment stuff's going on, because, you know, who knows how long it could be before the House actually sends the... Um, 
um, or articles he, over yeah. to the Senate. And I guess at this point, Mitch McConnell, you know, the ball's kind of in his court. He's got a little bit of a like a uh, pressure to actually make a deal with Chuck Schumer yeah. to have some kind of uh, rule-bound framework with which to address the Well, that'll uh, be interesting if Nancy Pelosi won't give the articles to the Senate without... Mitch McConnell right. working something out with Ted Schumer. Yeah, and the whole Schumer. the whole hang up is that um, Democrats specifically want Pompeo, Bolton, and or uh, Mick Mulvaney to uh, testify yeah. to have to actually go yeah. under oath because as of right now, um, you know they haven't testified, and that was a big thing. A lot of Republicans were saying Trump can't be guilty. There's no firsthand knowledge people testifying. None of them are giving any information. You know we we're not we're only hearing from secondhand fine. people. Well, Fiona Hill and, and Vindman were in the room. Right, yeah. yeah. But the, they were the, That's they a were lie the, by itself. Well, but they were the few people that were willing to testify. All the people yeah. who are still claiming that Trump is innocent are not testifying. And that's yeah. kind of an interesting disparity. All the people who did testify all agreed unanimously, yeah, this was wrong. On the record and under oath, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know what Bolton's doing. Maybe he's got a book that he's trying to write really, <laughs> really fast yeah. to be able to sell. But, you know, he... he you know, he referred to all of this Ukraine mess as a, quote, a drug deal. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he literally refused to be involved and said, I don't want to be a part of whatever drug deal they're cooking out. What did, he, what did he say about Rudy Giuliani, that he was a hand grenade? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And Rudy Giuliani, what a character. He is literally going back and forth between America and Ukraine right now. Trying yeah. to drink, you know, and again... Uh, who's paying for this? Because he works for Trump for free. So who exactly is paying for all of these legal fees and transportation fees of him going to Ukraine trying to figure out some Joe Biden dirt to smear around? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sure this, you know, the campaign's coming up. I'm sure it won't be long before this is a series of new campaign finance violations where Trump uh, has a lawyer, try, you know, going out of his way to do all of this stuff while being paid by who knows who. Well, I mean, yeah, and you still have multiple investigations going on in the background. The state of New York itself is doing tons of uh, right. investigations. This might not even be uh, Trump's first impeachment. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a big thing is those tax returns because Trump's uh, suing, you know, there's all yeah. these countersuits that, you know, there's constitutionally, um, I believe Congress has a constitutional right to get information from the IRS, right? Yep. Or from the, the Treasury and the... The various like oversight uh, kind of agencies that look over this stuff. So there's not really good constitutional grounds for Trump to not have his tax returns released to Congress. Well, that's something you know. The amount of effort he's put into hiding. <laughs> yeah, there's got to right. be something good. And there. and that's another thing that like, you know, the same thing with like it, you know. Why not have Pompeo and Bolton go testify under oath that he's innocent? If he's so innocent with his tax returns, why not just disclose them? At this point, it's a it's got to be a much bigger liability to continue hiding them and well, lasting yeah. as long as in court as possible. When it's funny is he always said he was under audit, but it's now 2019. You think maybe the 2016 <laughs> yeah. taxes are done right. being audited? Um, I assume the IRS doesn't audit people for years to yeah. get their money. <laughs> but that's bullshit, too, because Richard oh, Nixon was under audit and he released all of his stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think one thing we can agree is that Donald Trump is not as rich as he claims to be. Yeah. And so it, it, it really begs the question, is he trying to hide the tax returns because he knows he's not really rich? Are there a ton of, you know, Russian loans and money laundering that, involved? That's got to be part of it. Cause, yeah. I mean... 
in the 1990s when he was going bankrupt with every business as casinos. He stopped getting any money from any yeah. American banks. <laughs> right. And then suddenly around the year 2000, he starts getting money again to start yeah. making new projects. Like, Where does yeah. that money come from? I believe it was in 2006 that both of his adult sons agreed it was coming from Russia. <laughs> Well, they, they said they publicly. Publicly, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Most of our money comes from uh, Russia. Yeah, <laughs> we get all the financing we need, or something yeah. to the uh, degree of that. Yeah, makes me wonder. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, how should liberals take on Trump during the election? I think one is uh, just you know keep mentioning the fact that he was impeached. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's perfect right. ammunition, right? Uh-huh. Um, and we'll, and we'll see what they even can yeah. do because right now Trump is saying he might not even attend the debate. Which, yeah. talk about transparency or being a coward. <laughs> right. I heard a funny thing that if, if he refuses to uh, participate in the debates, Democrats ought to just get Alec Baldwin to pretend to be yeah. him. <laughs> and be on the oh, debate stage perfect. pretending to be a little, yeah. you know, a little dumb bitch baby. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I support that. Um, well, now, you support <laughs> Alec Baldwin. Yeah, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, I support some fictional character. Taking on his role, yeah. it would be uh, it would be interesting to see because um, you know even if he actually attends the debates, it's you know it's kind of interesting because pretty much most of the media and most pundits agree that Hillary Clinton won all three debates that she had. Matter, with him. Yeah. Not that it mattered it mattered too much to the actual election as we saw, but um, it's interesting to have to see him um, debate. You know that he's been impeached. That there's all these investigations. But my question is, who do you think would be the uh, best? Who do you think would be the toughest opponent in a debate? In do you think debate? it's Joe Biden who claims he would beat Trump no. like a drum? Which I, is really that's yeah. really a line he's got to stop saying. Got, I don't yeah. know. It's a one. Yeah. That seems a little dated to me. So I think Joe Biden. Uh, if it's Joe Biden and Donald Trump, it's just going to be a clusterfuck of a debate. Yeah, they're the gonna going to get in mud yeah. with each other. Oh mud yeah, wrestling. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I mean. Well, first off, the debate itself, how is it going to go down? you got to think of the moderators. How do they ask questions? If you bring up immigration, how do you, how do you dance around the fact that there are literal concentration camps on our border, put there by Trump, supported by Trump? How do you argue that and not make it sound like it's fake news or gotcha journalism? I mean, it just sounds terrible, right? right. How can you debate that? What is the debate there? So that's, I think, something every candidate and certainly the moderator right. is going to have a real problem with. Uh, personally, I think Pete Buttigieg would be the most interesting to see. Not that he would be the best candidate to run or necessarily, you know, uh, the, the person Democrats should pick. But it would be fascinating to see. Uh, how old is Pete, uh, Pete Buttigieg? Is he 37? 37, I think. Yeah. It would be interesting. And, you know, Pete has, uh, Mayor Pete has military service, which yeah. Donald Trump, you know, <laughs> had bones first to get out of Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on top of that, you know, Pete is just a conspicuously smart human being that speaks seven languages um, is very obviously well, he's well read. Trump. He's well read. Yeah. He thinks before he talks and he's very well mannered right. and polite and a nice human being. Yeah. Um, how do you think Elizabeth Warren would be against him. Do you think? I mean, how how many minutes into the debate do you think it would be before you mentioned Pocahontas? I think, you think it, would it would be in the first three minutes. I think it would be his opening statement, and I think <laughs> it would closing. probably be in every single statement. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Well, right. I mean, you would imagine he would just call go yeah. the entire night referring to her yeah. as Pocahontas. Although that would be that would be another mm-hmm. interest. I might actually prefer to see Elizabeth Warren debate him over the others, just because she's. She's such like a, a PTA mom who cares yeah. too much and is pissed off and like you know the kind of person that like is devoting her life to fix things that don't even really affect her you know yeah. 
she's you know she's like a cushy uh, you know cushy job in Congress now, but she still has that like Cub Scout mom <laughs> that volunteers to every yeah <laughs> to every event and like goes the extra mile. You know, uh, you know is just you know the PTA mom that cares too much. And the one who goes to the school board and says something is like uh, either un- you know unsafe or not done properly. Right. Like we need someone like that. In and government. then volunteers to do everything on her own. Yeah. To fix exactly. it because to 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 just sidestep the inaction of the people around her. Well, it's, yeah. <laughs> and uh, compare that to Donald Trump, who is you know for lack of a more polite term, a dumb fuck. Yeah. Who just who has n- probably not. Finish an entire book, perhaps open a book <laughs> in years. decades. Yeah, well, you know what? I would Not love? even his own. Donald Trump might be the rare person who has written more, more books <laughs> than he has read. actually read. Yeah. <laughs> now, what I would love to. See, I think the debate format should just be this. I think they should be given a whiteboard and as many markers as they need. Just go up there and explain yeah. an issue for thirty minutes. What do you think Trump would be like? If, if you know, explain what the Fed does. You have twenty oh, minutes. Oh my god! Take your time. Yeah. See, that's be, what's dumb about the way we do debates. Yeah. You know, it's like, here's here's a minute and a half and now 45 seconds to yeah. rebut that. An idiot can remember a minute of talking points yeah. and then hit them on cue. Right. And like, you know, Trump's the way tr- Trump's train of thought goes, yeah. if you actually, you know, like had him draw like a little diagram as like some kind of interactive, like, you know, here, teach America some, you know, something that's important to you. It would be fascinating to see that, like, translate to a, a whiteboard a or something. whirlwind of different topics. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> to Hillary Clinton, to Wisconsin voters who voted for him, you know, yeah. <laughs> to, uh, you know, Russia and Putin telling him Ukraine didn't, you know, Ukraine was the real, yeah. uh, the, the villain in 2016. But, uh, you know, it's just a shame that, you know, it's, it's not, you know, it would be uh, politically incorrect to do this, but for a journalist to just have like a blank map and ask Trump to like, yeah. Point on the map where, like, North Korea is or something yeah. like that. I would so love to see that. Or Afghanistan. Right. Or ask him, like, you know, yeah, just to have him take, like, a like a fifth grader's geography quiz. That would or, be, that would be yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about, um, let's see, who are some of the other contenders? Bernie Sanders. How do you think Trump would fare against the Bernie Sanders uh, debate? Well, it's interesting because if you look at the demographics of the 2016 election, might have had a very good chance that Bernie Sanders would have beaten Trump by mm-hmm. much more than you know Hillary yeah, Clinton technically sure. did. Uh, Bernie Sanders definitely had more support than Clinton in the primaries in those states that Trump ended up winning. Right. Makes you really think. But Bernie Sanders against Trump in 2020, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders to some extent, like you know what he's going to say. He goes up there and says the exact same thing almost every time. And he's got his worldview, and he, he's really good at putting it out there, but it's, it's always the same old Bernie, you know what I mean? Right. His stump speech really hasn't changed in four years, has it? Uh, not, not, not too much, noticeably, <laughs> I have to admit. Yeah. Um, and it, it would be fascinating um, to see, um, you know, because Bernie's just got a totally different worldview, and I always wonder... You know, like, if it, it's different when you're debating a bunch of other Democrats and there's a bunch of people, you know, on the stage and you don't have that much time. But it would, you know, I, I wonder how, you know, how direct some of the Democrats could be, you know, facing up against Trump. Like, for instance, like, you know, I always want there to be more direct, uh, you know, almost like more anger. Like, why not yeah. just, 
you know, the way Trump, you know, got really petty with Hillary Clinton bringing, you know, like Bill's, uh, Bill Clinton's accuser, like oh, sexual yeah. assault accusers or whatever on stage. But how would it be if, you know, somebody got on, like the Democrat at the debate against Trump gets up there and says, you know, 23, uh, you know, 20 something women have accused you of sexual assault. You know, um, you got banned from being on any charity in the state yeah. of New York for 10 years and all of your children. Like, I, I do really, you think it, I wish a Democrat would do that? That would be yeah, perfect. To just be, to have like a laundry list of just things like memorized that are just basically like, you are the worst American to ever run for president. You might be the worst American period right now like you know like uh you know you have concentration camps and steve you let stephen miller intentionally design them like extra draconian to basically you know like scar children for the rest of their lives or break a family so the kids will never see their parents again right yeah and you know like uh there's there's a healthy number of uh of uh, Hispanic kids that, you know, got separated from their parents and are just There's lost. kids died? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And some oh, of them are God. lost and, like, you know, for our, all we know, in, like, sex slavery or something right now. Like, literally on the sex trade. Yeah. Um, but it would be, you know, I, just, I miss that, uh, you know, I think Tom Steyer did that a little bit. The way he had all those uh, campaign ads just looking right at the camera, you know, kind of illustrating ways that Donald Trump is terrible. And I wish really all of them did that. I mean, they should definitely do it more. And uh, what about Andrew Yang? What do you think about yeah. him? Andrew Yang, I think, is uh, he's doing a lot to really push the envelope of um, like going up the interesting polls slightly, issues, yeah. slowly and steadily. 6%. Well, yeah, I mean, he definitely has. You know, probably I would say the most grassroots appeal, given that he came out of nowhere and is convinced. You know, he's outlasted a lot of the other candidates who have been like national names for you know years or well, decades. yeah, actual congressmen, right? Yeah, and the actual um, the ideas that he has been pushing are actually kind of really gaining traction. I mean, it, it's obvious that you know um, we need to do something about automation, taking away all these jobs that are you know that's going to create real strife across society. What do you think about the uh, UBI? Universal basic um, income. I think that's really smart, and I think he's doing a lot to, you know, kind of push the Overton window there to make that a more acceptable idea. And I don't understand why everybody doesn't adopt that. I mean, especially when you consider the fact that a lot of Americans already get a thousand dollars or welfare, more yeah. in different welfare programs or different, you know, um, tax incentives and things like that. Well, think of the overhead; it'll cut right off the top. If let's say you have X amount of millions of people getting exactly a thousand dollars of welfare well all the overhead with with buildings and the and right. people working at those uh, welfare yeah. centers like they just go away and the people are still getting yeah. the money the exact and, same money and it's really stupid um, the way the way that we do taxes and refunds and stuff like that like the government the IRS knows how much money you make and it knows how much you should pay in taxes and it knows when you cheat so you know, like Australia, I think, is a country that yeah. does that. They just mail you checks. They do all the math for you. Mm-hmm. They mail you a check. If you think it should be different, you can contest it on your own. Or you can just take the check and you don't actually have to... You know, like our whole uh, tax policy where you... You know, people with single jobs and single W-2s still need people, to like professionals, to help them do their taxes. Well, that's, that's kind uh, of absurd. Well, yeah, think about it this way, too. There's like upwards of 2 million tax lawyers in America... Or people yeah. in related to the tax industry, one way or another. 
think of that, that the only reason these two million people are employed is because our tax code is either stupid right. or too complicated. And it's gotten so big. There's, there's so much money involved in this industry. Yeah. that now, now they literally have a lobby and yeah. they, they don't want the government to make our tax system simpler because then they lose out on this cash cow every, you know, March and April. Yeah. When people are doing their taxes. <laughs> So at a certain point, like do you do you continue doing something inefficient just because you're going to make too big of a stink on a lot of voters who personally benefit from oh, that yeah. complication? Oh yeah, think about that. In a democratic election, right. you lose two million voters who might yeah. lose their job because of your policy. So in a roundabout way, back to Andrew Yang, you know, um, I I, I uh, I'm glad he's in the debates. I'm glad he's doing well, and I think he's got a lot of ideas that actually make sense. So um, you know, I I don't know if he's got it in him this year to really get up to like the top five or the top three or to be the nominee. But um, I don't know. Maybe he's the person to watch like right off the bat with his really devoted following to oh, you know, yeah. kind of 2024. Or maybe run somehow, something else. Yeah, right. I mean, I think certainly he deserves some kind of uh, like cabinet level position, like maybe uh, like labor. secretary of labor. Yeah, exactly. Because of all of his ideas. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if like maybe in the, like the next four to you know eight years, like that UBI takes off. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people have uh, you know kind of accepted that idea, and I mean it's totally true. I mean, you look at the inequality, and there has to there just ha- you know, whether it's a value added tax. I think that's how Andrew Yang proposes. To yeah, pay value for, added right? tax. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you just look at all these billions of dollars that these tech companies are making by basically turning everything digital upending entire economies ruining all these mom and pop shops and then you know they're ba- they're you know the, a lot of digital uh business models are basically lose money until you ruin everyone else's business and then start jacking up prices and making profits after you've kind of upended the entire uh you know little economy of your industry and well, i think at a certain point you need you know if you're going to make you know if someone like jeff bezos is going to make all these billions of dollars i mean Part of that is, you know, you know, you owe that to America. Well, the interesting thing about UBI, too, is not only that, but it's also, you know, Trump and a lot of the Republicans talking about saving, preserving, or bringing back rural America. Right. The easiest way to do that, because right now you have all these crazy market forces going against rural areas. No company is going to set up their headquarters or big, you know, regional air, uh, headquarters in these small little towns, right? They're all going to big cities. It's kind of the the way a lot of our GDP and where the GDP comes from is moving to. So if you had something like UBI, where you literally, like let's say you had a town of 20,000 people, and you gave, or let's say 20,000 people over 18 who, who would you know be able to get the UBI. If you gave all those people $1,000 a month, you just, you know, you know, you've created a stimulus in this little town of, you know, 20000 times $1,000. All that money is most likely going to go back into that community. So, right. I mean, when you give poor people $1,000, yeah. they spend all of it. Every penny. When you give rich people these tax cuts where they get to keep like $50 million every tax season, they already are not spending all the money that they have. Yeah. They're basically just kind of buying their own company's stocks and then getting more money and increasing their own business, which then allows them to raise their own salaries and give themselves bonuses. Yeah. You know, it's like this its this weird kind of like self-fulfilling uh, little bubble that is only for rich people when you cut tax rates predominantly, you know, on the like the top margins. 
Yeah, and then, I mean, outside of something like UBI, I don't even see how you could even help the rural areas, right? You're not going to oh, set yeah. up a giant manufacturing, like, like yeah. let's say, aluminum or steel company right. in the middle of a town with 20... It's just not going to happen. And it's stupid because Republicans don't give a shit about these small towns. None of, you know, none of these yeah. Republicans live in small, you know, Rust Belt towns or small, you know, exurbs that are, uh, are really kind of losing. Republicans in Congress? Or Republicans what? in Congress, yeah, that's what I mean. Um, you know, all of these Republicans in Congress are wealthy and they live in rich areas. They're not going to live in, a, you know, a town with like 400 people where all the, you know, students yeah. and kids have to move to other big cities to make a living. Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing that's helped those small rural towns are, like, Democrats. You know, Obamacare allowed their, you know, podunk regional hospital to stay open. You know, the only reason they have health care and don't have to maybe drive, you know, 200 miles, maybe they only drive, you know, 50 miles or something to a hospital is because Democrats raise taxes on, you know, yeah. some of the wealthy in order to yeah. have Obamacare and extend health and, you know, give an option of health insurance to anybody who wants it. Not only the people with jobs that, you know, the, jo- the employers choose to have that benefit. What's well, a funny thing too, when you talk about um, uh, who's going to help them, right? So Hillary Clinton in 2016 told those coal miners, "Hey, I'm going to help you get better jobs. We're going right. to take money from somewhere else and put it into your community, and that way you don't have to go back in the mines." <laughs> and then they were That's like, "That's the Republican Fuck you. policy. Let's go back, back in the, mine. in the yeah. mines." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and then you know those mines. You know, you know now that uh, renewable energy is becoming so much more efficient, all of these mines aren't really. They don't have long term. They don't have. They certainly don't have growth opportunities. They're kind of on long decline, and the only way they stay profitable at this point is to basically cut safety regulations. So people miners start dying and getting diseases more often. Like well, coal plants. Coal plants aren't even profitable right now. I read that uh, natural gas. It is cheaper to build a brand new natural gas factory or plant than even to keep a, a already operating uh, coal plant open. Uh, right. And that shows you something about the market force yeah. right now. Now, there's an interesting thing. Uh, I was listening to, uh, I listened to a little bit of the Democratic debate on my ride home on the radio, and uh, they had a question actually about nuclear power. Um, and all of all of the Democrats were saying no nuclear power. I think uh, Elizabeth oh, really? Warren said no. Oh. I think Tom Steyer said no. They didn't, you know, it, a question like that, they're not going to ask the entire field and take yeah. up a lot of time, even though they should. But uh, Andrew Yang actually was the only one who said nuclear uh, nuclear power is a uh, a method that you know he, he had the line you know he basically said this is a thing where all options should be on the table. Yeah. And what I forget the term was it thorium. He mentioned yeah, so, it wasn't thorium. Yeah, thorium, and he mentioned you know that it's it's not so toxic. It doesn't last. You know the uh, after. Uh, yeah, some of the details right. for for people listening is so you know the problem with our our nuclear reactors and nuclear power plants today is that they're all based on 1960s technology. So back in the 50s and 60s, they were doing research, making, um, you know, designing different types of nuclear power uh, plants. And they basically got, you know, some of their funding cut, so they couldn't experiment. So they basically just picked one, which is like the very heavy water uranium uh, nuclear power plants that most of the world uses everywhere. And there's basically been not much technological growth 
since uh, basically the 60s. So when you look and there's at, been very little, even yeah. less infrastructure development. Yeah, and exactly. Improvement. So like uh, like Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, all those power plants that had problems are you know regardless of what year it was, the technology is right. from the 60s. So the idea that there's I think much, Chernobyl was like 40s because yeah, it was I remember reading that Chernobyl they were literally using slide rule yeah. uh, like uh, yeah. equation uh, solving tools. So yeah, with this new power plant, and that's something actually, if you look up, Bill Gates actually, uh, one of his pet projects is um, new and improved nuclear power plants that basically they figured out ways to make it impossible to melt down because yeah. it just doesn't have the same temperature. Uh, yeah, and pressure. So right. Th what they use is thorium and, and instead of uranium. And the good thing about thorium is that, A, it's um, about three times more prevalent on Earth. Right. Uh, B, it's a uh, lot less reactive and radioactive than uranium. Uranium is a much more dangerous and unstable element. And a much longer half-life. So exactly, all of the... Yeah, yeah and I, Bill Gates' Bill Gates's method was actually a process that used the depleted uranium that we have stockpiled. His power plant plans used depleted uranium yeah. for its power. So, so we can clean yeah, up the earth. So we're literally, yeah, using up the really highly, uh, um, you know, toxic materials that we have stored and have nothing to do with. We're actually, you know, knocking out two birds with one stone. So that is, I, I listened to that. Democrats were, you know, all the Democrats who, ha you know, mentioned something uh, or had to answer to the question were basically doubling down on wind and solar. How, uh, you know, technology is getting better, but again, with our increasing energy needs, you know, there, wind and solar are good, but it just can't match up with a pop, a U.S., you know, like, a, or a world population that's going to get up to, like, you know, 8 billion and then 10 billion. Well, the crazy thing, too, is um, if you're worried about karma, uh, uh, carbon emissions right now, well, even if you didn't intend to do nuclear long-term, it is a great short-term right. so, uh, solution to stopping the continuation of pumping out, you know, tons and tons of, of carbon emissions into the air. Right. So, like, even, you know, let's say we put on some power plants and they were only designed, not designed, but, uh, you know, intended to run for 30 years while we figured other stuff right. out. In that 30 years, you're not still running millions of yeah. You know, coal plants and natural gas plants that's, that's right. emitting carbon dioxide. And, you know, uh, Bernie actually got in trouble in the debate because Bernie, he got asked something about, uh, they moved on to the next topic and Bernie doubled back and said, actually, I want to go back to climate and reiterated that, like, we are all fucked. This is the <laughs> yeah. the defining moment. And, the, you know, the debate moderator was like, uh, Ashley, can you answer the question we asked? And Bernie, Bernie then started to answer it and then worked it back to climate. And it was like, again, you know, you know, this is the number one issue. Um, however, I mean, we really are at that point now where, like, we need literally every solution simultaneously. Yeah. We need to start shooting drones up into the sky to start planting, like, a million trees a month or something. Yeah. We need to, you know, have all those new... Um, we need to invest a ton of money to build all these, like, random high school students' plans and projects to get plastic out of the oceans. You know, it's literally a all-hands-on-deck kind of uh, situation. 
You Which, know. unfortunately, you're not going to see that kind of leadership from the Republicans who <laughs> yeah, are still in bed right. with the oil. Who, who think government's yeah. the problem. Yeah. yeah. What it, but, the, you know, climate change is the perfect issue that government is not the problem. Government is the only thing willing to basically absorb a massive amount of, uh, like, loss, essentially. Well, think of you this. Know, losing is, money to, yeah. to fund the correct solution to a problem. How is the free market going to solve this problem? Right. There's no profit motive yeah. in cleaning up the earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially in a lot of countries that are polluting the most. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Without a Democrat as president, right. you're not going to get any yeah. leadership on this real issue. Right, yeah. The Koch brothers are going to pool yeah. together and start cleaning up their uh, fossil fuel. Or Scott uh, Pruitt at the EPA. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we right. need right now is, is less regulation so that companies can pollute yeah. more carbon emissions. Yeah. Yeah, let's tell all those factories, hey, it's okay, you're not required right. to have those carbon filters on your stacks yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, going back to the, the whole idea of a debate, this is why it's so stupid that, you know, these debates that we have to elect our president, where you're basically speaking in, like, minute-long answers. Well, that's a good point. So Bernie Sanders wanted to go back to an issue, yeah. and they told him to stop. Right. <laughs> and The existential yeah. problem facing <laughs> not just America, but the entire world. Yeah. And so it, it's just a weird system where you're going to elect the most important job in the world, a job that has, you know, you know, you know, the most most important military of the world, um, the most destructive um, stockpile of nuclear weapons. Yeah. And they want to talk about an issue that's important. And you say, nope, yeah. you got to answer this question. Time's up. Yeah, time's up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so weird. Um uh, yeah. Um, what about uh, Amy Klobuchar? What do you think about her? Do you think uh, she should drop out? Does she have a reason to stay in the race? Well, at this point, I mean, and she I did, and she, real early, quick, she did have a dumb line in the uh, the debate <laughs> of you know where I'm from. It's you know we don't call it flyover country. We call it home or something like that. <laughs> like, okay, thanks so much. <laughs> That's the funny thing is they, they try to work these funny jokes. Or yeah, these, these one-liners. Yeah, these one-liners, and, and none of them are interesting enough to really nail it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's a weird it's a weird idea. Vote for me because I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks for your contribution to the debate. Um, it's like eight years too late for that yeah. one. <laughs> Do you think that's a good argument, though? Because that's something that, uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar has been saying. You know, I won Minnesota, and it was, you know, almost the Purple State. You know, Hillary won Minnesota still. Um, but it was kind of like that Rust Belt, Wisconsin kind of demographics where, you know... Well, in this day and age, I don't think it really matters where you're from. Like, yeah. there are plenty of candidates who don't win their home states just because they're not an R or D next yeah. to their name. Right. Um, I don't think you should vote for someone, you know, just because right. of where they came from. They could be an idiot. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> yeah. that is, that's that's an interesting like an interesting thing to, to compare the crop of Democrats to the crop of Republicans. Who, if we can remember in two thousand sixteen and two thousand twelve and two thousand eight, like just Michelle you know, Bachman, Herman Her Cain, <laughs> Rick Herman Perry, Cain, nine nine nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ted Cruz, who's like the most hated, maybe the most hated person in Congress, maybe the most hated person in Congress by other Congress people. <laughs> yeah, according to Al Franken, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Al Franken, yeah. <laughs> I love that joke. He, he said, uh, um, I like <laughs> Ted Cruz more than anyone I know likes Ted Cruz, and I hate Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. 
I actually, I'm, I'm a little surprised with Ted Cruz. I would have thought that he would be sucking up to Trump a little bit more than I've seen publicly. Well, what do you he, think? Still, he, he hasn't said anything negative about him. Yeah, but I would have thought he would have been, uh, you know, super opportunistic. You know, he's waiting to run again after Trump, oh, yeah, Trump sure. loses, or he's waiting to run in 2024. Yeah. So he's not going <laughs> to. I, I would, I would think. You know, you talk about lanes and the parties and like presidential races. How is how have more Republicans not tried to step into that lane of I alone think Trump is crazy because they're cowards. That's why. Yeah. Um, who do you think is the biggest Trump butt sniffer? Well, you think think Lindsey Graham Graham has to be. Like, if you were going to bet money, how much money would you bet that there's some blackmail that Trump has on Lindsey Graham? I'm not specifically getting into what, (laughs) you know, what it might be, what sexual persuasion he might be. Lifestyle choice, yeah. (laughs) Uh, If you were going to bet money, though, how much would you wager on the fact that there's a tape or something that Trump shows him or reminds him about daily? I bet you $100. (laughs) Has to be. $100? Well, you look yeah. at what he said during the campaign. He, you know, he basically wrote Trump off in the beginning. Yeah, and then even during the election, he was actually famous. very astute. Yeah, he, he, the things he said about Trump prior to Trump winning the nomination were actually pretty much exactly what's happened. That it was like the destruction of the part, you know, the Republican Party as we know it. Well, you can't be you that know. good friends with John McCain too, and 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 think you know someone like Trump is a, a good politician yeah, right. for America. And let's talk about John McCain, because, I mean, you know, he gets credit for being a maverick, and, you know, certainly we can give him props for not voting down Obamacare, but, I mean, John McCain could have said something more than nothing about, you know, everything that, you know, he probably knew Donald Trump was doing. Well, he's probably one of the last few Republicans who had the uh, amount of respect in the party to do so. No one else really had the the clout or the, you know, esteem to be able to do something like that. Um, in terms of some of the other kind of more moderate Republicans, um, who, do you think any of them will vote against Trump in the impeachment in the Senate? Like uh, Cory Gardner in Colorado, who might be the most at-risk senator. Well, we'll or see Susan with, Collins. with uh, Mitt Romney, because he's an interesting case because he's a Republican, but he's also in a district that he probably will keep for life. Yeah, if, yeah. if he wants to keep it right. for as long as he lives. And, you know, Utah wasn't necessarily the most, like, pro-Trump state to begin with. Uh, large Mormon population. I think they, Trump, like, entirely yeah, really probably offends yeah. them a little bit, their sensibility. So, I mean, if, if Mitt Romney can't even vote against Trump, it makes you really wonder, A, about him and, and if anyone yeah. else is even capable. Because... But you see, know, that, then it leads up to the question of how much do Republicans know that, you know, there's a lot of Russian money in the Republican Party or something. Or that, you know, because you remember Russia, yeah. Russia hacked both the Democrats and the Republicans' emails, but only released the Democrats' emails. Yeah. Well, they clearly wanted Trump to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I read I read somewhere talking about I forget the source exactly, but they were uh, Russia was originally not uh Apparently, people were saying that Russia didn't um, um, originally think that Trump could win, and that they were they <laughs> Most were basically in America didn't either. yeah. Well, they were looking just into somebody who could win, who was just kind of stupid that they could convince to you know mm-hmm. you know just to you know or you know would be more ineffectual against Russia than Hillary Clinton, who obviously you know was a very intelligent person and in the Obama administration, very into some Russia degree, hawk, yeah. yeah, and knew what Russia was doing, mm-hmm. you know, intervening in the. 
uh, election and things like that. And obviously Hillary Clinton would have kept the sanctions that, you know, Obama got uh, put into place. Um, but then you get tr uh, Trump taking over and um, pretty much always taking the Russian side of almost yeah. any issue. I mean... Didn't even blame him for the hacking. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Is now blaming Could Ukraine for the hacking. Could have been some fatso in the right. basement. <laughs> A 400-pound fatso. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just sitting on his computer hacking all day. But, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, Trump's disinterest in the European Union staying together, the fact that he doesn't want to... Uh, Trump has no care about NATO. anything, basically. Yeah. If you look at the last 70 years of American history and our, our very in-depth relationship with most of the world and what goes on, he just doesn't care about it, thinks it's a rip-off, thinks it's ripping off, you know, American yeah. money somehow. And that might be interesting to talk about is the fact that actually NATO is, you know, pretty much America put together NATO and funded it all, and, you know, the or the lion's share of it because we basically convinced a lot of Europe to do whatever we want against yeah. the Soviet Union. And yeah. we won the Cold War because we had this giant block of countries that were just like ramrod in unison on pretty much anything of importance in terms of geopolitical policy or, you know, negotiations or trade. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I find that, that a lot with conservatives, that conservatives look at the world right now as a pretty stable place with a lot of good things going for us. And they say, ah, oh, fuck it. Why do we need all these uh, alliances? Yeah. Why do we need all these regulations? Why do we need all of these things? And they just act like if we get rid of these things, the world will stay relatively it's calm and stable. It's just like the anti-vaccine bullshit. Yeah. We live in such a great world today where vaccines cure so many things that people don't get sick and die all the time or maybe And we're not around suffering and death everywhere. Yeah, so you just think, why? Why do we need them? Well, right. because you don't want to live in the world before they came yeah. about. And the same thing, you don't want to go back to like 1939. Right. You don't want to go back to 19, you know, you want world wars and, and you know. Yeah. Know. But it's this weird idea saying. of like nationalism where we, like Trump thinks we have to like screw over our allies. Yeah. Like our allies, you know. It's like, you know, we had, we had you know. Countries go to war with us in Iraq, a made-up war that other countries knew was made up, but they, they kind of went us. along yeah. with it, you yeah. know, just because, you know, we're allies. Well, it's like famously, they said uh, Australia for like the last 70 years has fought side-by-side side with Americans in every war we've had. Yeah. You know, they were in Vietnam even, believe it or not. Yeah. Not the whole I'm time. Sure Canada. But, yeah. Um, but or it's, Afghanistan, you know, Iraq. Right. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. This concludes our first inaugural podcast of Brain Milk, and stay tuned because a lot more podcasts are coming. Once again, I'm Dash McIntyre. And I'm Adrian Pope. And we are brought to you by the Halfway Post. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya. Mm -hmm.